What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Next Level Freedom Church podcast. My name is Trenton Cruz. I'm the lead pastor of Next Level Freedom Church in Jackson, Missouri. If you're seeking a church family that can help you grow in your relationship with Christ, or maybe you just want to check us out online, be sure to check out our website, www.nextlevelfreedomchurch.com. I hope today's episode will inspire you and encourage you as you fulfill the destiny God has for your life and fulfill your divine purpose in God's master plan. Thanks for tuning and God bless. Several churches in this tent this week. I'm trying to think of all we've had. Brett, you remember some? And we have Next Level, of course, us. Uh, we've had Christ Church of the Heartland, who's with us tonight. We've had Apostle, uh, the Apostolic is Apostolic Promise. Yes, they've been in the house. Uh, the Spark Church was with us last night from McClure. Oh, Church on the Rock, Curtis True was here with us for a couple of nights, and uh, some of his congregation, what is it? All Nations Church in Jackson, Tennessee, they're with us, Lighthouse United, any other churches I'm missing? Joy Church, yes, Joy Church is in your house, uh, Pastor Gene's back there, uh, did I miss anybody? Anybody else think that? We've had several in here, that's what this is about though, really. That's what my whole mission in life is, really. Is to unite the body of Christ. Yeah, we can be in different churches on Sunday, but you know what? There's no reason we can't come together and worship together at different points. Right? Amen? That's why we do what we do. Not only to draw in other people that we don't know from the streets, but to get churches to unite. Because without unification, the church is going nowhere. Amen? There's been division in the church too long. You look into that word denomination. It means division. And Satan's been dividing for years. And God's been saying, all right, now all of you come together, use what you got, and why can't we just agree on Jesus? Amen? He's the one that changes lives. What did he say? He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So anything aside from that, well, we need to pray for you. But if you believe that, amen, you're my brother and sister in Christ. Welcome to the house of God tonight. As we get ready for the man of God who's in the house, I don't know what to call him. I guess I'll call him evangelist Aaron Michael tonight. He's a prophet, evangelist, pastor. He's been pastor. He's got all kinds of, uh, what do you call those, uh, things under his belt, I guess. But uh, come on up. Welcome with me, evangelist Aaron Michael. Good evening, everybody. Glad you're here. Glad to be here. Most of all, I'm glad the presence of the Lord is here. How about you? Mm, such a sweet presence of the Lord. And I never like to move too quickly when God has showed up, just like He has tonight. So as they continue to play, if you just would close your eyes and just lift your hands. in your own way, just you and Jesus for a minute. I know we've worshipped and I know that 
we've been through the songs, but there's just such a sweet presence of the Lord here. God is wanting just to individually touch people for a moment.
for a minute. Stand on your feet, clap your hands, lift your voices just for a minute. Praise the Lord with me, God. We praise you. We praise you, God, because you're here. You deserve our praise. We acknowledge you vocally. God, we step out of ourselves and we lift up our voices with the horns of heaven. Sing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. God, we thank you that you're here. We thank you that your presence is here. We thank you that you're moving. We thank you that you're speaking. This is the day and the hour that you're going to move tonight. We thank you, Lord. You may be seated. moments when you get an opportunity to minister where you come with a word of the Lord and then there are times when you come with a word from the Lord neither are better than the other but one is more direct to where you are now and I really feel like that the Lord has given me a word for each one of us here including myself tonight is a night about supernatural encounter. And the only reason I'm telling you this is because I want you to get your heart and your mind ready to have an encounter with God. That's what the whole purpose of this night's about, is getting us to a place where we can encounter God like never before. I have found out in over 20 years of being saved that every time I experience God, I experience a part of Him I did not know existed. There's always more of Him. There's always more. And tonight, I want you to get ready to have an encounter with God. Like you've never had before. Tonight's going to be powerful, man. I've been so excited and so anticipating what God's going to do tonight. One more time, can we just give the Lord a hand clap and praise in His place? I'm real excited tonight because my family's with me. My wife, Brittany, my youngest daughter, Eden. This is my oldest, Genevieve. And here recently, every time I preach, she's asked, Daddy, can I preach with you? So I'm like, well, if you want to tell everybody something, then okay. So she's got a word from the Lord. You going to tell them? Okay, tell them loud. Thank you, God, for making <laughs> Praise the Lord. That was cute. That's how you melt a daddy's heart right there. That was so sweet. So sweet. Grab your Bibles or your phones, just whatever you got the word on. Thank you, Princey. I appreciate y'all so much. Turn to the book of Exodus chapter 3. We're going to be reading verses 1 through 5. Bear with me tonight. My voice is a little bit shaky, but we're going to get through. Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. I'll be reading out of the New International Version. Awesome. Start reading. 
Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses, do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Tonight I want to talk to you just for a little bit on the subject of holy ground. When you read scripture from the beginning to the end, what you find out is that God really is a God of supernatural encounters. You don't even really have to read scripture to find that out. If you've walked any length of time as a Christian in a relationship with God, I'm sure at some point you have had a supernatural encounter with him. In fact, the mere fact that you were able to be saved by him was a supernatural encounter from him. Amen. But we serve a God of supernatural encounters. It's amazing the way that God shows up because God walked with Adam and Eve. They had an encounter with God. God wrestled with Jacob. In one of the most trying times of his life, God was there. God spoke to Joshua face to face as one speaks with a friend. God became a cloud by day and a fire by night for Israel. To Pharaoh, God said, just tell him I am. See, God will show up however he needs to show up to do whatever he needs to do. God was a burning bush for Moses. God showed up as a baby in the womb of a young girl named Mary. And then he showed up as a man named Jesus for every one of us. That's the God that we serve. He showed up before and he's still showing up. He's not a one and done God. He's the same yesterday. He's the same today. And he's going to keep being the same forever. That's the God that we serve. He is a God of supernatural encounters. And he will show up however he needs to show up to do whatever he needs to do. And that's one of the things that I love about God because he's so specific to who we are. He may show up to me one way. And he'll show up to you another. But he'll show up in a way that he can get you. He'll show up in the most relatable way to communicate with you. Uh To get your attention. To move in your life. God is a God of supernatural encounters. One of the greatest books I've ever read speaking along these lines is from a minister by the name of Tommy Tenney. It was an older book written years ago called God Chasers. How many of you have read God Chasers? I encourage you to get it. They're getting kind of hard to find on Amazon. But it was one of the most transformational books I've ever read in my life. Because as Pastor Tommy Tenney talks in this book, he talks about pursuing God. And one of the things that he says in this book, and I'm paraphrasing, was that just as much as we want to have encounters with God, God wants to have encounters with man. It's a reciprocal relationship. It's not a one-way thing to where we are here on earth trying to vie for the attention of a great and mighty God who sits high and looks low. While he does sit high and looks low, he is also ever-present. Yeah. 
And just Amen. as much as we are crying out and vying for his attention, he is also longing for ours. Amen. He's a jealous God. He's a God that's so madly in love with his people that he didn't just put himself in a hierarchy in heaven's throne, but not make himself relatable in the lowest part of our life. He's a supernaturally encountering God. And just as much as we want to move of God, God wants to move in and amongst us. But what I have found is one of the greatest enemies of a move of God is obstacles. And a lot of the times, the obstacles we face pursuing an encounter with God has actually nothing to do with the enemy. But really, it's the obstacle of being busy. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Amen. I heard a preacher one time say, if the enemy can't take your life, he'll take your time. Yeah. One of the things that we wrestle with as people is being busy because we always have to go. We're always having to do. We're always having to be, to start, to go, to get, to finish, to go to this thing, to the next thing, into that thing, into this thing. And we're doing good things. We're doing all the things we feel like we need to do. We're doing all the things in front of us. But if we're not careful, what happens is God becomes less of a priority and more of a plan. Come on now. Amen. And please understand that I am not faulting, and I'm not judging, and I'm not condemning. But what I'm doing here is awakening us to where we are. That way we, I can transition us to where God is wanting to bring us to. God never intended that he would be our plan. He always wanted to be our priority. And when you put him in his proper place, your life starts moving. But what we've got to do is we've got to learn to wrestle with our obstacles. The things that we put in play. I'm not giving the devil any credence in any bit of this and saying, oh, the devil's coming up and keeping me from Jesus. Come on, man. The devil's been on me. He's blocking me. I can't find Jesus nowhere, little devil. It's not the devil. Come on now. Sometimes it's literally just the stuff that gets in the way. The stuff that blockades, the stuff that looks good for the now. But it doesn't benefit the future. Come on, come on. It's the war of being busy. And that's when we get weary in well-doing. The Bible didn't say you get weary when you were doing bad. It said you get weary when you're doing well. And the reason why we get weary when we're doing well is because our pursuit is off. It's because we're not going towards what feeds us. We're going towards what drains us. It's because we're not having a reciprocal flow between us and God because we're pouring and we're pouring and we're pouring and we're doing what is good and what's right and what God's called us to do and what feels good, not sin. We're doing all the right stuff. But we find ourselves empty. It's the war of being busy. It's proven in Scripture in the book of Luke, chapter 10, verse 38. Turn there if you've got your Bibles. I want us to read this together. It's a very familiar passage of scripture. It's about two women, Mary and Martha. Uh-huh. Luke chapter 10, verse 38. We're going to read a little bit through 41. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. 
She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Notice the dichotomy in the story because here they are. They're both in the presence of God. He has come into Martha's home. And they're both doing things that are good. But how often do we get distracted doing what's good? We can be in his presence and distracted. We can be in prayer and be distracted. We can be in the word and be distracted. If it can happen to Martha, who's literally in the ever-present presence of Jesus, how much more can it happen to us? And here she is, doing all the things that she needs to do to get the house right, to get the things right, to get the table set, to get the place right for Jesus, who's already there. It needed to be done. It should have been done beforehand. But here he is. And the Bible says that she is distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to Jesus and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Have you ever been in a place in your life where you've seen other people progressing in God that were doing less than you were and you couldn't figure out why? You were doing the good things. You were preparing for it. You were setting the lights. You were making the food and setting the table. And then you see other people sitting at his feet and you wonder, God, why am I not getting the same attention? How many times have I been there? Let me not even talk about you. How many times have I been there to where I was going through all the church motions that were good? But there was something that was disconnected. There was still a barrier there and I couldn't quite figure out what it was. So she comes to Jesus and she says, Lord, don't you care that my sister's left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me, Lord. That sounds just like a sister. Tell her, get up and clean something. Bread ain't gonna make itself. Tell her to move. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you're worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken, taken away from her. Here's Martha, and he never said you're doing anything wrong. He just said, Martha, you're focused on the wrong thing. Yes. Yes. You're focused on the stuff that's good but doesn't matter. Yes. I'm thankful for lights. I'm thankful for cameras. I'm thankful for action and instruments and big buildings. But I'm telling you, it's time to go back to the simplistic form of Christianity where there's only one thing that matters. And it's not the trappings that we put God in, but it's sitting at his feet. As long as it takes to gain his favor and his glory and his touch, it's time that the church gets back to the one thing that matters, and that is Jesus Christ. Amen. That is sitting at his feet. Hallelujah. 
We need a perspective shift. We need a realignment. Not from anything bad. Sometimes you got to get realigned from what's good. And get your perspective back in focus. Because here's Martha, and she's worried about the works, but she forgot to worship. Hey, come on. Here's Martha, so worried about life that she almost missed the Lord. Amen. Here's Martha so worried about her duty that she almost missed out on divinity. He's always there. He's always with us. He's ever present. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And here's the difference between the two. Martha did the works, but Mary acknowledged him. She said, all I want is you. And all she wanted was all she got. All she needed was him. And he said, it's the only thing that matters. And that's the same invitation that is here to you tonight. He's the only thing that matters. He's all in all. He's all that you need. And if you will sit at your feet, he'll let you sit as long as it takes. No matter what needs going on around you, it does not matter in the long run. The only thing that matters is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Don't focus so much on life, friends, that you miss the Lord. The Bible in Matthew 6, 33, it said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and its righteousness. And he said, all these other things will be added to you when you seek the one thing that matters first. Because when you seek the kingdom, you get the king. When you seek the kingdom, you get the kingdom's furnishings. When you seek the kingdom, you get the gold. You get the money. You get everything else you need because all that matters. When you seek the kingdom, is given the king of the kingdom. We need the king. We need the king. We need the king in our families. We need the king in our world. We need the king in our workplaces. We need the king in our minds. We need him in our hearts. We need him in our life. Amen. It's time to get back to the basics. It's time to get back to that place to where all that we're concerned about is having a move of God. Amen. You can move people emotionally and they will never change. I am not against having emotional moves and songs the whole nine yards. I love it. We need it. We've got to have it. God will use it. But if his presence is not in it. If our singular focus is not him, the works will not work. But when you get God in the mix. Ask the woman who had the issue of blood. Can I preach a minute? Because I feel this. I feel this. Ask the woman that had the issue of blood. Spent years bleeding. Suffered at the hands of many physicians and spent every dime she had had. But only grew worse. She did everything she knew to do that was right to get healed. But then one day, she heard there's a man coming down the road. Come on now. And something moved in her heart. Amen. And she said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment. Amen. 
So here she is after doing all that she could do that she thought was right, and it was. She gets on her hands and knees, presses through a crowd of people that were all around Jesus. But they weren't focused on him. They were focused on the parade. Because when she touched him, Jesus turned, and he said, who touched me? His own disciples said, God, we've all touched you. But Jesus said, no, 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 no. This touch was different. This person needed me. They came wanted me. They came focused on me. And when they touched Notice the proximity. She touched the hem of his garment, and Mary stayed at his feet. When he's all you want, he's all you need. And when he's all you need, he satisfies all that you want. When you let God get in the proper place in your life, and when you get in the proper place with God, that's when stuff starts happening. That's when the works start working, when you just start working with Him. My God. Am I talking to anybody in here? I'm not talking to anybody in here because I'm telling you, God is desiring to have an encounter with his people. And he's wanting it so much that he sent me to Jackson, Missouri tonight to tell a group of people that you've been doing all the stuff right, but there are still just one or two barriers that if you'll move them out of the way, God says, I'll start moving in your life if you'll just focus on me. God wants to have an encounter with you. Going back to our scripture, Exodus chapter 3, verse 5. Moses is tending the sheep for his father Jethro, father-in-law Jethro. He's doing everything right. He's doing exactly what he should have been doing in that moment. He's following the command that his spiritual priest, father-in-law, had given him. He's doing everything right. He's not doing anything wrong. Stop letting the enemy take you on unnecessary guilt trips. You're not doing anything wrong. I want to break that yoke of bondage off of somebody right now. The devil's been running you through the ringer because you've been not seeing in your eyes what you have felt in your spirit. It's not that you've done anything wrong. The enemy's been trying to use that to twist you and break you and manipulate you. But I've come to tell somebody tonight, do not get weary in well-doing for in due season. It's due season tonight. It's due season for somebody tonight. And you're going to reap where you thought you would faint. You're going to receive where you thought you were going to give up. You're going to get where you thought you were going to lose it all tonight. I told myself when I came in here I was going to teach. I lied to myself. Preach it. God tells Moses, don't come any closer, Moses. Take off your sandals. That part of the scripture has always fascinated me, and I've never understood why. Of all the things, God, why would you want Moses to take off his shoes? 
open-toed sandals for a shepherd that followed sheep all day. His feet were not a pleasant sight. Come on down. Mm -hmm. If anybody needed somebody to get a hold of them toes, it was Moses. <laughs> Homeboy needed a pedicure from some Jewish shop somewhere desperately. Don't no one have time for them feet. So it always perplexed me, God, why in the world would you want Moses to remove his shoes? And in my natural mind, I begin to think, well, was it because his shoes were dirty? Because he said, don't come any closer, Moses, because the place where you're standing is holy ground. So maybe God didn't want the dirt on his shoes to desecrate the holy place. And something triggered in my spirit that, no, it couldn't have been that. Because God doesn't mind our dirt. Come on down. God's not distracted by our dirt. Ask the woman caught in the act of adultery when they threw her before Jesus. He got down and started riding in her dirt. So scripturally proven, God is not distracted, dismayed, or deterred by the dirt in our lives. So the fact that God said, remove your shoes, didn't have anything to do with the dirt on Moses. God will take you as dirty as you are. Dirt and all. So the question still begged, why did God say, remove your shoes for the place where you're standing is holy ground? And I was reading a commentary and the Holy Spirit lit this up in me so strong. The reason why God wanted Moses to remove his shoes is because God did not want any barrier between Moses' feet and God's presence. God said, Moses, take off your shoes. Because I want you to feel me. Moses, take off your shoes. Because I don't want any barrier between me and you. Moses, take off your shoes. Because I want you to feel what holy ground feels like beneath your toes. Take off your shoes, Moses, because I want this to be personal. Moses, take off your shoes because I want to have an intimate encounter with you. It wasn't that his feet were dirty. God wanted him to feel God in his fullness. God wanted Moses to have an encounter with him like he had never had before. And how often do we let the enemy tell us that we're disqualified? God does not care about the dirt. He wants you to remove the barriers so that way he can get real with you. So that you can feel what holy ground feels. Yeah. Hallelujah. Amen. Oh. Hallelujah. My God, just think of that for a moment. God didn't shield his holiness from Moses. Come on now. He said, I want you to feel me. He didn't say, Moses, stop. You can't come in here. This is holy ground. He said, Moses, get ready. Yes, get ready. Take your shoes off. Get ready to receive. Get ready to feel something that's going to change you forever. Get ready to receive an anointing Moses that's going to liberate millions of Israelites out of captivity. Get ready to receive a word, Moses. Don't worry about the dirt. Just get personal with me for a moment. Just get in a position where you can feel all of this. And I'm speaking to some people right now that you feel like God has told you to stop. You feel like you've been pushed aside. But I 
up and sit to tell you God has not pushed you away. The reason why you've not stepped in is just because God has been preparing you. You've not been pushed. You've been prepared. Hear the heart of the Lord. You've not been pushed, friend. You've been prepared. God has been preparing you in these seasons to draw you into more, to move you and to pull you in for you to fill him. Mm. He's just been preparing He's just been getting you to remove some barriers so that way you can step into holy ground and knows what, know what it feels like. Take off your shoes, Moses, for the place where you stand is holy ground. Whenever God shows up in a place in our life, miraculous things happen. Jacob, in the worst part of his life, having deceived his father, tricked his brother, stolen a birthright, been banished. His mother told him to go. Your brother's going to kill you. And here is the privilege. Jacob laying on a stone pillow in the desert for the first time, never having the rich trappings of life he was used to. And he wrestles with God. And he wakes up and says, Surely, the Lord was in this place. And I did not even know it. Mm, Some of you, you've been right on the edge of holy ground. And you have felt limited because you've not been able to step up for some reason. But God sent me tonight to tell you if you will remove the barrier, you can step in and actually feel it this time. God doesn't want you to be around it. God wants you to be in it. And that's why it's important for us to remove the barriers in our own life. The busy barriers that keep us distracted. The trappings, Martha, that keep you from sitting at his feet. When you look at that word stand in the strongest concordance, when God said, for the place where you stand, Moses, is holy ground, there are many understandings of what that word stand means, but three that stood out for me were the words to confirm, to abide. Mm. God. 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 Mm. Is this good? I just got, I got to stop for a minute. Let's let this settle. Thank you, God. Three understandings of the word stand are abide, confirm, and ordain. So when God said, Moses, the place where you stand is holy ground, he was saying it is confirmed that you are ordained to abide. See, a God encounter is not a singular moment in life. God was saying, Moses, I'm confirming that you are ordained to live here. You were made, Moses, for this. The barriers can no longer keep you from what I intended you to live in. God's original intention with man was to walk with them from the very beginning in time. And what we have in Exodus 3 is a picture of God restoring it back. Moses, Take off your sandals because I'm changing your address. You live on holy ground now. I have changed your position. And now if you will remove the barriers, you can feel it all. Come on. Come on. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah.
God said, I don't want anything of you to keep you from me. And God is so gracious that he told him exactly what it was that he wanted him to drop. And Moses stepped into his presence. I'm almost done. Here's the thing about holy ground. Holy ground houses the fire of God. Moses stepped on the holy ground and there was the presence of God in a burning bush. God is a God of supernatural encounters. How easy would it have been for Moses to see that bush on fire and think, well, I got to tend these sheep, man. This is what I'm supposed to be doing right now. This is what they asked me to do. I got to get it done. You know, this this is what my, my priest, Jethro, the priest, has asked me to I, I, I got to do this. And, and I just got to get these sheep on. And he would have missed Mount Horb, the mountain of God. Had he been focused on being busy. Had he been just focused too much on right now. Please understand, I'm not condemning. This is not a condemning message. This is an invitation. This is God inviting you to holy ground. Because the holy ground is where the fire of the Holy Spirit is. Praise Him, you guys can come back. Moses stands on holy ground and God starts speaking. The woman with the issue of blood touches the hem of his garment. Jesus starts speaking. But what is amazing to me is that God never intended the fire for the bush. The bush is something God used to get Moses' attention, but God never intended his fire to rest on a bush. Moses couldn't get in the fire until Jesus got on the cross. Jesus got on the cross and broke off the dirty barrier of sin off our life so we could have connection with When Jesus died, the veil of the temple was rent. And now we have access to go in dirt and all. Do you see where I'm going with this? Do you feel God's heart with this? He never intended his fire to be put on a bush and for man to just be around it. So what does God do? For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. He had an encounter. Whosoever should believe on him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And right before Jesus goes, he gives the disciples of command. He says, hey, go away in Jerusalem until you have been endued with power from one high. So 144 people are in the upper room. And the Bible says that on the day of Pentecost, there came a sound from heaven like as a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the house where they were sitting and there appeared under them cloven tongues of fire that came and sat on all of them. Came and sat on all the fire got on them. In Exodus chapter 3, Moses stepped on holy ground. But in Acts chapter 2, we became holy ground. Because the fire that got on the bush 
in Acts chapter 2, got on the people. And it was all because Jesus hung on a cross and took away the dirty barrier of sin. And now he's given us an invitation not to just step on the holy ground. He said, you can become, you can abide as holy ground where my fire dwells. But don't you know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit? The fire is not for the bush. The fire is for you. It's for you. It's for you. And the reason why I love Exodus 3 so much is because it's not just a theoretical narrative of a man that sees a burning bush with some sheep and talks to God and waters part and great things happen. It is a picture of how we become the holy ground of God. It is a picture of how God puts his fire on us, in us, and through us. Because the fire came on them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And then they began to speak. The fire got on them, it got in them, and it came through them. talking to anybody. Stand with me if you will. Jesus. Jesus. What barriers are keeping you from having the encounter with God that you have always wanted to have? hear the Holy Spirit saying, son, daughter, take off those samples. Trust me. Take off that fear. Take off that worry. Take off that anxiety. Take off that hesitation. And if you will do that tonight, you will feel the holiness of God. Tonight, God wants to fill you with fire. Amen. I've said every single thing that I have said tonight to tell you this one thing. That tonight is the night where you become the holy ground that houses the fire of the Holy Ghost. That's been His plan for you the whole time. That's why he sent Jesus. That's why he showed up over and over and over again in Scripture. It wasn't because God was bored and looking for something to do. He didn't say, hey, I think that might be cool. Let's do that. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. The joy set before him, friends, listen to me, it was not heaven. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. He'd already been to heaven. He knew what that was all about. The joy set before Jesus was you. It was this moment in Jackson, Missouri. So do me a favor all across this room, because I feel like as I've been preaching, there have been some of you, maybe a lot of you, that there's been some, some shoes, some barriers that have come up in your mind and your spirit. 
if you would, just in a sign of receiving and letting go, just hold your hands out like this and close your eyes for a moment. God of supernatural encounters and so right now his presence is here in this room right now and you're about to have an encounter with him like you've never had before I promise you so right now all across this place do me a favor just begin to let those things go just begin to take off those shoes just begin to tell him God I really do trust you I mean it. God, I believe. So I got faith. God, if I can just touch the hem of your garment. God, if I can just touch your feet like Mary. God, I let go of that fear that I've had for so long. God, I know no one else in my family has ever done anything like this, but God, I choose tonight to be the first one. God, I know that there's all kind of dirt in my past, but it's in my past. And right now, God, you are in my present. There's somebody that the enemy has kept you time and time again for moments like this and told you, no, 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 no don't do it. Nothing's going to happen. No friend. No friend. Tonight is the night. Tonight is the night. You're going to have an encounter with the Holy Spirit like you've never had before. It's already happening on some people right now. Come on now, when you, when you let that shoe go, when you let that barrier drop, just receive. Because he's going to start feeling you right now. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Come on, that's it. God's feeling these people right now. Come on, just keep this up for a minute, because here in just a minute, we're going to invite you down here to receive the fire of the Holy Spirit. Yes, yes, come on, Nancy, give him full access to your heart. Give him full access to your fear. Come on, let him have the things that are bothering you. That's what he wants access to, the stuff that's torturing you. Let him have access to the nightmares. Let him have access to the abuse you suffered years ago. Let him have access to those negative words that were spoken over you that have haunted you for your whole life. Let him have access to that abandonment that you've carried for years and years and years. Come on, you don't need me to touch you. God will do it all on his own right now. Let him have access to that God. I don't know what this is all about. Don't worry about it. Just receive it.
Hallelujah. The place where you stand right now is holy ground. You're standing on holy ground. You're standing on holy ground. Receive the holiness of God on your life like a fresh wind blow. Yes, that's it. That's it. Yes. Boy, I just felt it hit this room. I felt the holiness of God settle in this place. There it is.
It may be just a thank you. It may be tears. You may want to shout. You may want to jump. You may want to dance. Whatever it is, just respond. <laughs> well, it's hitting some of you already. This is beautiful. This is beautiful. And what's about to happen on the rest of us is God is going to fill you with his fire. If you've never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and spoken in other tongues, it may be one sound, it may be one word, but when you feel it, just let it come out of your mouth. Don't stop it for anything. Just let it happen. This is a safe place. So I'm going to pray, and when I pray, I'm going to say, receive the fire, and it's going to fall on you, okay? Hold your hands in Father, in Jesus' name. I thank you for every person, God, that is here, that has come to receive the fire of the Holy Ghost. And I thank you, God, that by your grace and beauty, it's already falling on them now. So, God, I pray that every person under the sound of my voice would be filled with the fire of the Holy Spirit of God. And God, those that are standing here that have never spoken in other tongues or they need a refreshing, I pray, God, that when I get done praying, they would immediately be filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues or they would be refilled. In Jesus' name, receive the fire.